This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Inside Access pushes the legal limit. High Rollers with Jason and Ken. 105.7 The Fan. Inside Access. We're at downtown Baltimore Pickles Pub. Come by. Say hi. We're inside. It's raining now, but it's supposed to clear up around first pitch. O's Mariners 705. No Ken Wyman today or Monday. He's in Alabama. But Ariel Epstein is with us right now of MLB Network. What's going on, Ariel? We we haven't asked you about your Yankees in a while. Jason is hasn't been the too high on them this year. They bounced back after getting swept from the Red Sox, won the series against the Mariners, did get blown out last night, but where are you on your Yankees right now on June 23rd? I was going to say happy Friday, but that's not the case. <laughs> Talking about this disaster of a team. The Yankees need to get healthy. They need their bats to heat up. They need Aaron Judge back in the lineup. DJ LeMahieu needs to start hitting better. Um, the Yankees also could benefit from another starting pitcher like Nestor Cortez yeah. or Carlos Rodon. The Yankees are just a mess at the moment. Now, they're the kind of team that towards the end of the season, you never know when they'll heat up at the right time and get healthy at the right time after the All-Star break. However, the Yankees are going to get in on a wild card this year if they're lucky. What did you make of Hal Steinbrenner's comments? I mean, obviously the apple did fall really far from the tree when it comes to him and the way his dad, the boss, handled things. But how are those comments being received in the Big Apple? To be honest, no one really talks so much about what Hal Steinbrenner says here in New York. The Yankee fans are more uh, the Yankees fans more call for Brian Cashman, the Yankees GM said uh-huh. here. That's where any time that you talk to a Yankees fan in New York, they say Brian Cashman hasn't really done what he's supposed to do. This farm system was supposed to be great. He was supposed to build these World Series teams and no one really gives him credit for anything that happened in the 90s. They say, quote, it wasn't his teams. And then the 09 team was just a product of the same formula that got hot at the right time. The Yankees fans more so are just down on Cashman than they are on anyone else. We're speaking to Ariel Epstein of MLB Network. It's inside access on the fan. Well, Ariel, your first uh, best bet of today involves an American League East team in the Rays. They're taking on the Royals. What's your uh, bet in that game? 
Rays righty Zach Eflin over five and a half strikeouts. Tampa could use some innings from Eflin. They had to go five and a third with their bullpen yesterday with five different relievers once their A-Shane McClanahan left with back tightness. Eflin has most strikeouts on his curveball. Perez, Witt, Melendez, they all hit below 200 against the pitch with high whiff rates. Eflin against other high carry teams this year, five of seven games went over five and a half Ks. The Royals have the sixth highest strikeout rate against righties. I went over five and a half Ks on Eflin. Yeah, a lot of free swingers in that Royals lineup. Um, Twins and Tigers, that whole central division. I don't know what to make of any of those teams. This is not a marquee pitching matchup. Maeda's sporting an ERA of nine. Joey Wentz around seven. But do you see money-making opportunities here, Ariel? This is my fishy line of the day. Tigers on the money uh-huh. line. It was a 10-cent move overnight in favor of the Tigers. Yet 70% of actions coming in on Minnesota. The Tigers have sneakily won six of nine against Minnesota dating back to last year. The lefty for the Tigers, Joey Wentz, is on the mound, and he's got a 1-2-3 ERA and three career starts against the Twins. The reason that he has success, Wentz, against Minnesota is because they have the second-worst average on-base percentage and slugging against left-handed pitchers. <sighs> on the other side, Minnesota's righty Kenta Maeda is coming off the IL, strained right tricep, last pitched April 26th, has taken a loss in five starts in a row with a 9-3-0 ERA. His last win was back in August 2021. I don't trust Maeda. I actually trust Joey Wentz, the lefty, against the Twins lineup, Tigers' money line. You like the Tigers' money line, but the D-backs, they're big-time underdogs, but do you expect them to cover the run line? Arizona plus one and a half. You saw the line overnight move 15 cents in favor of Arizona. The Diamondbacks are sneakily this really good road team. They're better on the road than they are at home. They average just under six runs a road game compared to just under five runs a home game. It's the second-best record on the road for Arizona in baseball. And the Diamondbacks, they've, they've had success against the rest of their division this year. They won 3 of 4 against San Francisco, 16 of 25 against their division. Zach Davies is on the mound for the D-backs. Pitches really well on the road compared to at home at Chase Field, where at Chase Field, I've heard from a lot of players that the ball tends to carry there, so it could help Davies a little bit more being away from home. And against Davies' pitch mix, the Giants' average is the 11th lowest uh, batting average in baseball against pitchers with similar repertoire to Davies. I'll take the plus one and a half with Arizona in this spot. She's Ariel Epstein, MLB Network. Ariel, thanks so much as always, and hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Bone, it's it's interesting uh, listening to Ariel talk about the Diamondbacks because we, we talked a little bit before the season started and, and when we were kind of doing our predictions and having people like Jim Duquette on. And I mentioned to a lot of those guys, I think the Orioles and the Diamondbacks are on parallel tracks here. And it, it looks like it's coming to fruition. Their 2019 draft, a little more on the arm side than the bats, Corbin Carroll aside, who might be rookie of the year and MVP in the National League at this rate. He leads the National League in OPS, who was taken in the in the middle of that first round, same draft as Adley and Gunner. Um, but then they drafted a lot of arms as well in that, that draft that are that are helping them out. Very athletic team. They like to run like the O's do. Uh, Jason Stark of The Athletic has a really interesting article out talking about the Orioles, the Reds, and the D-backs and how they're these upstart teams. But when you look at their roster construction, when you look at how they run the bases, when you look at some of the things they do organizationally, they're the same. And they've accumulated these athletes who are big, tall, and fast. 
um, a lot of shortstops and repeatedly drafting kids who are shortstops or center fielders. I mean, you know, like Corbin Carroll's a center fielder. They don't care. They took Drew Jones, who they think will be a center fielder. Um, second overall when the when the O's took Jackson Holiday. So I, I could see these teams ending up in a World Series at some point. I really could. The Orioles and the Diamondbacks. I, I, I think even with the Dodgers in that division, this might be the year for the D-backs because the Dodgers are, are a little down. Um, and who knows what they'll do at the deadline, but they've had some bad luck um, from a health standpoint. It's just it's a weird game for me to bet the D-backs because they beat up on the Milwaukee Brewers. They flew to Washington to make up a rainout from three weeks ago, and then they go from Washington all the way out to San Francisco to start a series. You mentioned that Jason Stark article at the bottom of the hour. We'll get into the numbers. Orioles, Rays, D-backs, they're built for the new rules. There's some crazy stats associated with that with all three of those teams. And, of course, we will give you those numbers at 3.30. But coming up next, it is TMI. Ryan O'Hearn, he has been a revelation here. Unbelievable. You don't think the Royals would love him? Salvation. Cash considerations. He's got nothing on Ryan O'Hearn's. The numbers, if you dive into the analytics, how good has Ryan O'Hearn been? Jason did uh, the homework here, given the assist on TMI. We'll give you the numbers on the other side. It's inside access on the fan. Inside. Inside. With Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hot takes from the guy behind the glass. I'm in a glass case of emotion. TMI with TIM. TMI. TMI, my friends. Presented by 58 Foundations and Waterproofing. You can never have too much information on your home. Since 1958, they're your foundation and waterproofing experts. Inside Access. 1057 The Fan. In about 30 minutes, we're going to go down on the farm. Norfolk, doubleheader last night. Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, Michael Givens. How did they perform? How much did a Mullins and a Mountcastle play? Jason's got the scoop there, but it is TMI. And one of the biggest surprises for the Orioles so far this year, Ryan O'Hearn, and they acquired him from the Royals for cash considerations. And just look from when he got called up April 13th to May 26th. Played sparingly over that month. Appeared in 16 games, just 11 starts. But something that you saw, noticed immediately, is, God, this guy doesn't play a lot, Jason, but he drives in runs. Awesome with runners on base. He had 11 RBIs. In that span, and the numbers weren't high, 764 OPS, all right, that's solid. And then when Mullins ended up going down May 30th, May 31st, that's when O'Hearn 
um, he started playing more, and then Mountcastle went down. So in combination with those two, you're shuffling around different guys. Aaron Hicks comes up. So since May 31st, he's played in 15 games, 14 of those starts. 404 batting average, 1,100 OPS, and he's driven in nine runs. And again, he's coming over from the Royals in exchange for cash, Jason. Last year... And it played in 67 games, but a 239 batting average, 290 on base percentage, 611 OPS. So you're seeing just the raw numbers there of his performance. But you dive deeper, and you were looking at some of these numbers, and he does not qualify uh, for all of these. For the stat cast yes, leaderboard, because cast. the sample size isn't big enough yet. Exactly. But if he did. Oh, boy. If he did. Oh, boy. He'd be in the top 25 percentile in swing and take this No, no, top 25 top, players. Oh, oh, my gosh, I'm reading it wrong. Excuse me, I don't want to sell him short. That's top 25 players. Top, top 25 in barrels per plate experience, and explain that to the people. Basically experience. the percentage of times you put a barrel on a bat versus what they would call a, a, any sort of any plate appearance in which you touch the ball at all. Barrel percentage, the league average barrel percentage, 6.8. Ryan O'Hearn, 13.2. He's Uh, almost doubling that. He'd be ninth in exit velocity, 93.6 miles per hour. That's ninth among all major league hitters. 88.4 is the average. The hard hit percentage, 55.9%. The league average, 36.1. Are you kidding me? The only people ahead of him are Acuna, Gallo, Soto, Chapman, Judge. And O'Hearn, just like we thought. You heard those names correct. Ryan O'Hearn is up there with those guys if he would qualify. Yes. He's swinging at the first pitch. He's a lot more aggressive this year, 35% of the time. That's up 6% over last year. And then when you look at the splits, fastballs, batting average, 327, slugging, 528. Breaking balls, 316 batting average. Slugging, 684. Off speed, 400. Slugging percentage, 750. Is that real? Maybe you got to just throw them bowling balls or you throw them EFIS pitches or knuckleballs. I, I don't know. And you were saying not, he's got five plate appearances against the left-handed pitching. So yes. just looking at right-handers. 93 plate appearances. His slash line is this, 349, 387, 628. Over a thousand OPS, six homers, twenty RBIs, and it it just keeps going with this list, Jason, of these under the radar moves. This wasn't a waiver claim because it was a trade for cash considerations. But you think of these small under the radar moves, and you go to Jorge Mateo, you go to Aaron Hicks. You go to insert anyone in the bullpen, really. And and the shrewd trades, just even both of them, guys that haven't made the majors yet, with a Jorge Lopez and Trey Mancini, when you look at the Kate Poviches, the Chase McDermott's yes. there, the Juan Nunez's, and, and you mentioned Cano. And Ryan O'Hearn is just the latest, and he is benefiting from the fact of the injuries that I just mentioned, and now Mountcastle will get into his yeah. performance more later in the hour. Even when he returns, Jason, 
Mount Castle isn't playing every single day. I mean, no. O'Hearn is going to get his. If O'Hearn, if you're facing a righty and O'Hearn is healthy and he's not your first baseman, then he's probably your DH or maybe he's in right field that day. But I don't know how you don't rep him as much as you can against right-handed pitchers because he's destroying them. And as we know, Mount Castle was a righty, so he would face the lefties and it could be trending to a platoon situation whenever he's back. And you mentioned the ability to knock people in when you need to. And we know with Seti and Mountcastle out, that's something we're wondering who's going to fill the gap. Ryan O'Hearn this season with runners in scoring position, Bone. He's got 20 at-bats. 412 batting average, 450 on-base percentage, 647 slugging percentage, 1,097 OPS with runners in scoring position. Again, 13 driven in in just 17 at-bats. There's no way they're keeping up this pace no. where they're playing a 500 month of June, basically, like without him doing what he's doing, which feels supernatural, but it also doesn't feel fake to me. Like they face some tough pitching, and maybe the light bulb's on. You know, there was an interesting piece uh, I read today. I'm trying to think if it was, I think it might have been Andy Koska talking about some things they did um, in the hitting lab with his hands. And how immediately O'Hearn was receptive to some of these swing uh, mechanical things that were proposed to him. And boom, the first time they talked about it, he, he tried it the next night. And away we go. Um, I'm not in any rush to get him out of the lineup. And even with Hicks, because he's a switch hitter and he can play three different positions. Cedric comes back tomorrow, the next day, next week, whatever. I don't think Aaron Hicks immediately goes to the bench. I mean... Bone, this is a guy who in 18 games with the Orioles has a 966 OPS and an OPS plus of 177. 100 is average. I mean, you're talking 66 plate appearances, 7 extra base hits, 10 walks to just 12 strikeouts, 3 homers, 10 driven in. He's getting on base 42% of the time. And at Camden Yards in 8 games as an Oriole, he's got a 990 OPS. So these are first world problems. Figuring out how all the pieces fit, especially when more long-term pieces like Westberg and Kowser get here. Uh, but these two guys have been heaven sent. And, and that's the thing. It, when you're this deep into the season, and if I would have told you prior to the year, Aaron Hicks, who had struggled mightily with the Yankees over the past couple of years, and Ryan O'Hearn that was acquired in January, probably during our show, and we're like, oh, okay, whatever, that they're both – going to be at least in the month of june mainstays in this lineup the o's are 45 and 28 cedric mullins has missed a chunk of time gunner henderson got off to a big time struggle in the month of april cnl perez has been not even a shell of himself and and austin vote the situations there and they're 45 and 28 because you're getting these key contributions from an O'Hearn, from a hit. And the pitching has a, been, and that's by saying, and large, very from, solid. And from a Cano. I, but just these guys that you had no expectations for entering the year. And Aaron Hicks, it wasn't even on this team prior to the year. And they're still 45 and 28. We got a lineup, Bone. We do have a lineup. Uh, do you want to read it down? I have not seen it. Yes. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, who we chatted with at 2.15. If you missed it, um, we'll post it on Twitter, and you can listen to some of the highlights at 5.15. Gunner leading off and DHing against Logan Gilbert. Adley catching, batting second. 
Uh, Santander in right field batting third. Ryan O'Hearn, first base, batting cleanup. Uh, Alston in left field batting fifth. Aaron Hicks in center batting sixth. Adam Frazier, Hyder can't quit him. Playing second, batting seventh. Ramon at third. Um, we mentioned Ramon at home this year has been much better than on the road. And Jorge Mateo still at shortstop. Joey Ortiz still batting is, ninth. Is Joey Ortiz on is on the roster, roster as far as I know. He's, he's on the active twenty-six. Okay, just making sure. He's just getting. <laughs> he's just getting the Kyle Stowers treatment. He is the skipper. It, it is. It is Kyle Stowers right now. And Rock Cabaco who covers the team for Mass and Sports. He's going to be joining us in about an hour. Brandon Hyde. He's going to be meeting with the media shortly. So we'll try and get some answers out of Rock. But coming up next. New MLB rules this year, the bigger bases, the shifts, the only being able to throw over a couple of times. Which teams have taken advantage of this the most? Hint, the Orioles are one of them. How much have they been taking advantage of these rules as opposed to the other 29 teams? The numbers are going to blow you away, and we're going to give them to you on the other side. It's inside access on the fan. Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman on the fan. Baltimore's only 24-hour sports station. 1057. The fan. Inside access, we're at Pickles Pub, inside of Pickles Pub, and look, you want to get your weekend started early. Come to Pickles, all right? There's not a better place. The beer's flowing. Food's incredible. Food is awesome. Beer is flowing. It's Friday. The bone's here. The bone is here. He might take his shirt off. Jason's here. I definitely will not take my shirt off. And the weather is going to clear up. Yes. And it's going to be first pitch at 7.05. Don't hold me to it, but according to weather.com, it looks like it will. All right. It's good enough for me, Bob. <laughs> but O's first of a three-game series. Against the Mariners, Baltimore baseball tonight. Bob Haney, Mike Bordick, they take over at six. New rules this year, Jason, in terms of the bigger bases, the limitations on the shift, can the amount of times over you twice. can overthrow over. Three teams have really taken advantage of these rules. The Rays, the Diamondbacks, and the Orioles. Jason Stark, who has covered MLB for a long time, yes. For the athletic, you can check out his piece. In the American League, only the Rays have taken an extra base on singles and doubles at a higher percentage of the time than the Orioles at 47%. 76 extra bases taken on non-hits. That ranks fourth in the American League. Orioles are only fifth in the American League in stolen bases. They've already had four games with at least five steals. That's the most in the sport. They'd... uh, done it that just six times in the previous 20 seasons combined so we talked a lot in the offseason about this team being able to run and now they can run more with the bigger bases they've uh been able to control the run game adley rutschman six best pop time of any catcher who's faced at least 20 stolen base attempts and no team has shown better pitch clock discipline than the orioles their hitters have been called for exactly one violation all season long. I saw a graphic not that long ago, probably a week or week or two ago, that the least amount of pitch clock violations in any stadium is Camden Yards. Hmm. 
I don't know what that has yeah. to do with anything. It could mean nothing. And the only but, one for the Orioles was the opening series, Austin Hayes at Fenway. Yeah. Which feels like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, look, we've asked Michael Elias about this at numerous times. We talked about it at the end of last season when we knew these rules were coming in, but we didn't know how they looked. We've talked to him about it since the rules have taken place, and he's adamant, and he says the same thing to Jason Stark in this article, that like they didn't know this was coming. They didn't plan for this. This wasn't like a reason why. However... What they identified as core tenets of what the next era of Orioles baseball should look like. Athletic defenders who can play multiple positions, including premium positions, like shortstop and center field. Guys who were built for speed, who understand the importance of stealing bases. We talked about how often the Orioles were stealing bases in the minors two or three years ago when they were still losing 100-some games up here. Um, a certain kind of athlete with a certain kind of swing decision that allows them to get on base, and then once they get on base... They can take advantage. So, And the Reds are doing the same thing, and the Diamondbacks are doing the same thing. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence. I, I don't think it was all planned. But that's a smart way to build your baseball team. And it's just so different, so utterly different than Duquette and Buckball. You're playing it, a different it's sport. so different. You're playing a different sport. And the game sport. has changed, too, with, with again, with the, the, the way that how you can and can't deploy people in the field. Um, but it's just it's just such a different it's almost like a different speed it's almost like you're playing at a different tempo bone i'm trying to remember if it was 2016 i believe it was when they were on pace to set the record for the least amount of stolen bases by a team in the history of the sport now they didn't end up doing so i, I want to say the number was 32 or something and they were crazy. striking out and striking number. out at, no it's it's a complete change of philosophy from Mike Elias and the former regime. I mean, it, it's everything. I keep going back to the uh, introductory press conference where everything Mike Elias said that day in 2019 or 2018, really, he followed he's through. Delivered on. He's delivered and he's continued to do so. He hasn't deviated from the plan. No, we just need to get that pipeline flowing up to Camden Yards a little yes. bit more. One other interesting um, item from this article uh jason stark cites sports info solutions they're an advanced analytics company they rate the orioles at plus eight defensive runs saved up the middle at second base and shortstop second only to the rays plus 16 that's a pretty wide chasm again i think guys like ortiz and westberg have the range to do what fraser's doing mateo's a little bit of a unicorn but again he's not hitting a lick um he also notes to Jason Stark, Orioles hitters have the second highest batting average on pulled ground balls in the American League at 270. He asked Michael Elias about that. Michael Elias said, quote, mainly, mainly I think that's because we have a lot of left-handed hitters and they're probably benefiting from the shift rules, generally speaking, more than right-handed hitters. So then when you've got middle infielders that are athletic and you've got base stealers, that kind of checks most of the boxes. Interesting. And again, Jason Stark... The athletic is where you find that piece. But the lineup did come out prior to us hitting the break, Jason, and running it down for people that missed it. Gunnar Henderson, who joined this show earlier on, you can listen to the interview on the Odyssey app. We're going to play back some quotes you might at 515. throw a few bucks on a Gunnar Henderson home run prop. I'm oh, just saying, yes. if you look at the IA bump it's at the real. major leagues and the minor leagues, it, it's a thing. It is real. He is your DH leading off, Adley Rutschman at catcher. Anthony Santander in right, Ryan O'Hearn at first, Austin Hayes in left, Aaron Hicks in center, 
Adam Frazier, second base. Ramon Urias, third base. And Jorge Mateo at shortstop. So we've only been talking about Frazier and Mateo's woes at the plate all week long. And continue to be sharpied in the lineup, Jason. And at this point, there is not going to be a move on the roster, at least of a Jordan Westberg, Colton Kowser move no probably not bone it doesn't mean it's not called for and again if you haven't been paying attention in his last seven games adam frazier's two for 21 that's not good he's batting 095 he's got a 136 on base percentage the last seven games 230 ops his last 15 games 167 average 207 on base percentage this guy plays every day 540 OPS. Last 30 games for Adam Frazier. 225 average, 243 on base percentage. Come on! It's 100 points below the league average. 405 slugging. That's a 648 terrible OPS. If you think it's going to be better at home, you're not paying attention. For the season, he's batting 184 at home with a 252 on base percentage and a 537 OPS. Jorge Mateo, unfortunately, says, hold my beer. 428 OPS in his last seven bone. This is OPS. 461 OPS in his last 15. 421 OPS in his last 30 games. Jorge Mateo at home? You think he's going to turn around at Camden Yards? Probably not. 200, 221, 267 slash line. Uh, I give up. You're giving me a headache, Jason. Please. I mean, look, Please. it's clear that they're not going to call these kids up until they're convinced that Hyder's going to play them. And I'm of the mind whether this is a conspiracy or otherwise, that after having seen this yo-yo happen a few times, I think Elias and the Wizards and the Warlocks aren't going to do it until they have a come to Jesus with the manager who says, yes, I will write them in 12 of the next 14 games. I, that's my theory. And like, the, I, I was that, that's say, where I am. The, because the, the, the guy won't do it. He will default to veterans. He's got a lot of buck in his game for a dude who's supposed to be managing a team that's turning the corner. This is all speculation. But if that were to be true, Michael Elias hired Brandon Hyde. You, you tell him, homie, you're putting him in the I mean, lineup. you don't want to do that. And, and I don't care. There are teams, Toronto, that do that. Like, that's not how this was set up, and that's not how they want it to be. And it should be a symbiotic relationship that everybody's on the same page that, like, yes, you know, we've 70 games of 670 OPS at Adam Fraser's. Enough for all of us. Great dude. Put him on the bench. But we're going to collectively as an organization see what's behind door number two at least through the All-Star break. They're, they're, maybe none of them think Westberg should be here. I have a hard time thinking that's the case. Like, do you want him to play 170 games at AAA? Like, whatever's going on, my sense of this manager, having seen him for a while now, last year he's telling you how much, oh, don't trust your lion eyes. Odor and Chirinos are the thing that's keeping this together, right? That's what he was selling. And this, this Frazier thing, you hear it from anybody who's around him, on the record, off the record, whispering out loud, he thinks Adam Frazier is some huge part of this. I don't know. I prefer second baseman who get on base and hit a little bit. At the top of the hour, we're going to get back into football. League at large, Dalvin Cook still looking for a home. Aaron Rodgers, how's he going to do with the Jets? Nathaniel Hackett commented on his freedom, changing the plays of the line of scrimmage. And Russell Wilson, is Russ going to cook this year? We'll get into that at the top of the hour. But coming up next, we're going to go down on the farm. Ryan Mountcastle, it was a rough day yesterday when we went down on the farm. Mm. Did he perform any better during the doubleheader? What about Cedric Mullins? Did he play in both games? Is his return imminent to Birdland? 
We're going to go down on the farm next. It's Inside Access, and we're broadcasting live from Pickles Pub on the fam. Inside Access with Jason and Ken. Jason and Tim sit in the bleachers. Ken sits in his brother's seats behind home plate. Inside Access, 1057 The Fan. We're life on the farm, kind of laid back, much Prieto lines one toward right, a base hit, over to Rang and into right field. Prieto with a base knock, it'll bring in Norby. Kerstad comes in as well, and the Tides take a 2-0 lead. We're going down on the farm, and Cesar Prieto. We will start with him, Jason, and all he has done this year is hit, and he did so again last night. Yeah, I mean, he was batting 365 on the season at double A when he finally got called up to Norfolk. He got a couple knocks in his first game with the Tides, and last night, uh, RBI single we heard there. He also pulled the ball down into uh, right center field for a home run, um, hit it into a little bar area they have there at Nashville. It looks like quite a park at Nashville. I went there years ago when it was a dump. Um, and, yeah, in terms of guys you may not have heard before doing good things down there, uh, before we get to the Orioles who were down there, Justin Armbruster made his first AAA start. Um, he just got called up from Bowie. He was originally scheduled to pitch on Tuesday. They got um, a weather situation. Then they wanted Grace in the pitch. Uh, Seven-game doubleheaders down there, Bones. So he pitched five of the seven innings. Looked really good. Two hits, no earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. Seemed very comfortable. Um, a few loud outs, but nothing that would concern you. Um, those guys stood out. Heston Kerstad continues to destroy the baseball, um, whether it stays in the park or not. He just he looks the part of a left-handed lumberjack thumper, and he's not missed a beat since he moved to AAA. But part of the reason I watched all 14 of these innings last night, Bone, uh, more than anything else, was because of the Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, and Michael Givens of it all. Where would you like to start? Let's start with Cedric Mullins. Yes. Very interesting to me. Played all seven innings of the first game in center field. Remember, he had played center field the night before, was originally scheduled DH on Tuesday, the game that got rained out. Then they finally start the second game, and who's leading off in DH? Cedric Mullins. Now, he didn't play the entirety of the second game again. Seven-inning doubleheaders. He got a couple of at-bats in the second game as well. Two plate appearances, a walk, and an out um, in that second game. Then he departed around the fourth inning. So, you know, that caught my attention. Like, I get it. It's still the equivalent, basically, of nine innings. But the fact that they let him play the second game the night after playing nine in center field struck me as a pretty positive sign. Um, Ryan Mountcastle did not see any action in the second game. He went 0-3 in the first game, playing first base. He struck out again, so he's got four strikeouts in two games down there. The slider away continues to be a problem for him. Um, he didn't really get a lot of action in the field yesterday. He made an error the day before. Um, I'm assuming Cedric's a little further than Mounty, just by the fact that he's playing a premium defensive position and doing it two days in a row and doing it more than Mountcastle did Um yeah, I mean, Mountcastle's at-bats there so far look like they did here prior to him going on the I.L. And to Cedric, when we had Mike Elias on uh, what, a week ago, last Monday. A week ago Monday. And he said this, yeah, month. this month he can end up coming back. And 
that seems like it's going to come to fruition. I mean, knock wood, knock my thick skull, knock anything you can knock, like that nothing untoward happens. I mean, Norfolk hasn't put their lineup out yet for tonight, but if, if he's able to play center field out there a couple more days in a row, and look, he, he hasn't had to leg out a double or anything like that, and even in the field, I don't know that he's had to sprint a ton, but he looks fine running down the line. He doesn't seem encumbered in any way. Um, maybe, you know, that's got to be a good sign. No Kowser or Westberg in the second game of those doubleheaders, boom, but that turned out to be. They're probably just trolling me at this point. They probably could see that my IP was one of the 25 in America watching every inning of this game to see if anybody came in or got yanked from it and said, oh, yeah, let's just keep them out of that game. Let's F-lock and for <laughs> Oh, and Givens. And yes. First batter he faced, the slider was on, got a quick strikeout. Then he hit a guy, then uh, a couple of hard hit base hits. And it started getting away from him a little bit, Bone. Two-thirds of an inning, earn run, again, two hits, a hit batter. Um, did not look as crisp as he did the day before. Uh, no Dylan Tate uh, factoring in yesterday. He, he's been pretty rough down there. By and large, like, I mean, Givens looks okay. He doesn't look to me like a guy who's going to come in right away and, and surefire, you know, be the, the the bomb to what's ailing the middle innings of this uh, bullpen right now. But I suspect he gets another shot sooner rather than later. Again, they pitched him on back-to-back days, which to me, like said playing back-to-back days, you would think is fairly telling. And I wanted to end with Drew Rahm because he was in that game, gave up, six earned runs and this was someone who got called up didn't end up making his debut we were wondering what he could be it seems like he's gotten roughed up recently yeah he had a great april and then the league i think figured some things out and he struggled since the uh era now pushing five i've thought all along he's a relief guy bone you know could he be a two to three inning reliever a bulk reliever from the left side who one trip through the order you know five six batters tops um might be able to to be okay at this level uh i think that's probably like the best case scenario but i just am interested to see how quickly they stick with some of these guys on the starters track even with the dl hall they've been very remiss to close that door they finally closed it for michael bauman and it's opened up a world of opportunities i think drew rom and have always thought that drew rom if he pitches in the major leagues is probably a piggyback bullpen guy. Rock Cabaco covers the O's for Madison Sports. He's going to join us at 4.30. Rock, of course, at Camden Yards. He was in the clubhouse. Brandon Hyde meeting with the media. We'll get the latest from Rock at 4.30. But coming up next, we're going to get back into the NFL League at large. Russell Wilson, we know you're a Russ guy, Jason. Oh, I used to be. The odds that he can cook... Now that Sean Payton is there, he's slimmed down. Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe he broils. Maybe he doesn't cook, but he just (laughs) broils a little. Nathaniel Hackett. He spoke about Aaron Rodgers, his ability to audible at the line of scrimmage, which I'm sure we're fired up to hear that. And Dalvin Cook looking for a job. He had an interview on Sirius NFL Radio today. We're going to play you sound from all three of those guys next. It's Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. Inside Access with Jason Kent. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 